Welcome to another inspirational message from Church on the Rock Pile. Thank you for listening. And if you would like more information, you can visit us at www.therockchurch.co.za. Hi, it's really great to have you join us. And today is the last Sunday of our mad month of May. It's a sign-up Sunday here in Paul where I am. But that doesn't mean you can't make a difference where you are at. And so today I'm talking about the servant heart of Jesus. And if you're ready to receive the word, then say it like you mean it. My heart's open, my mind's ready, and I won't be the same again in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm reading today from John 13, 1 to 10, and it goes like this. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Verse 2, the evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothes and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water in a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Don't you just love Peter? Come on. No matter how bad you're at, you fit in there with Peter. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath, what he's saying is, those that have been saved need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you. You know, at that time, Wherever you went, whether you were rich or poor, everybody walked. There were no cars. There were just dirt roads and walking in sandals. So everybody had dirty feet when they got home. And it was the servant's job to greet the master with a bowl and a towel and wash his feet before he entered the house. It was a very common practice with a practical reason to it. Today, while we can see a spiritual application illustrating servanthood, there is no practical need because we wear shoes and socks. Well, hopefully. But there are still a lot of practical ways that we can serve and submit ourselves as a servant. So from these verses, I want to give you seven secrets of a servant, all modeled by Jesus himself. And the first one is found in verse 1. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Another translation says, Jesus knew the time of his end was approaching. So secret number one of being a servant and making a difference is number one, they know what time it is. They know what time it is. David in Psalm 90 verse 12 says, teach us to number our days, not years, days. And we're told in the Bible that life is a vapor. It appears for a moment and then it's gone. It's so quick. You know, but those who never serve never seem to number their days and live as if their lives are going to go on forever. That's how they live, just never ending. So they procrastinate and they say, you know, someday 
I'll make a decision. Someday, I'll make a difference. You know, someday I'll get involved. Someday I'm going to do something meaningful or be generous. The only day you have is today. And the Bible says today is the day of salvation. There's no someday in the week. Well, you know, I'll get serious with God and make a difference later in life. Good luck. Because you never know what tomorrow brings. You know, I bury babies, teenagers, young adults. I bury senior citizens. Everybody has a 100% mortality. But nobody has a guarantee on longevity. Even if you live to be 100, listen to me, it's short. So if you woke up today, you need to make this day count. Because tomorrow is not a guarantee. In 2013, on the 11th of February, I died twice. Twice on the operating theater. I never expected it, but it's by the grace of God that I didn't stay dead and that I'm here today. So I want to challenge you, whether you're young or old, wake up and use your life to make a difference. If you want to feel good or, or significant, then serve. Not just in the house, but serve everybody. If Jesus could humble himself and come to us in human form, if he could lay aside all his godly power and allow himself to be tormented by people, crucified, separated from the Father and killed on a cross, and he did that for you and me, don't tell me, you know, you're too tired. Don't tell me the traffic is too heavy on a Sunday morning or the parking is, is sometimes difficult. Don't tell me you, you didn't feel good or it was too cold. You know, I'm not trying to shame anybody, but I've realized I don't really have any excuses when it comes to serving. John 10.10 10 says, We have an enemy that is dedicated to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And that is still his agenda. That's his agenda for your life. And he doesn't care how he does it. He wants to kill your potential, destroy your purpose and your vision and your dignity. He wants to take away your self-worth, and he's good at it. You know, we need to smarten up and know that we are good at certain things that God's called us to be good at. So those that serve understand the value of their days. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve and give my life for many. He wants us to be people who produce fruit and make a difference. People who are givers and not just takers. With me? The second secret of being a servant is found in verse 1. Jesus loved his own to the end. So number two, they know who their own are. They know who their own are. You know what? Listen to me. This is my home. This, where I am now, is where God has placed me. You know, I know who my natural family is. I know who my spiritual family is. And you are my family. From the oldest to the youngest, you know, the kids' church to the, to the parents' room the new campus and more. You know, it all becomes our, our, our problem, our successes, you know. It's family talk. I don't identify by race, nationality, culture, or what party you voted for. We are related to each other through the blood of Jesus Christ. There is no Jew or Gentile, bond or free, black or white. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. That is the language of the Bible and the language of this family that you're part of. And you know what? I don't want anybody, I don't care who you are, messing with my family. And if you get hurt or suffer, we suffer. You know, if one of you is, is going through a bad time, I'm carrying that burden with me and I'm praying for you. I'm trusting God for you. Why? Because we're family. 
I don't identify with you based on your area code or, or what model car you drive. You're my brother and sister, and I'm committed to you. And I believe that's the, the way that the church was supposed to be built. That's how Jesus intended it to be. So decide to make a difference to love and serve in your family. You know, when my boys were growing up, we all served in the house. We had different chores. Now that they've got their own families and their own homes, you know, they are still serving. It's unthinkable to think they would just sit in an armchair at home and never serve or do anything. You know, I'm doing nothing for my family. No. And it's also unthinkable in your spiritual family. We need to serve each other, connect with each other. You know, God intended us to help and do what we can with what we have, you know, uh, for each other. By the way, Jesus knew that not everybody was with him or for him. Did you see that in the story? Wheat and tares grow up together. You need to discern who your friends are, who your family is. If they speak against this house, they are not your family. Families, you know, they talk, they hug, they love, and they affirm each other. Many years ago, Jen and I drove into this town where I am right now to start this very church. We didn't come because there was nothing else for us to do, you know, or, or hope to go somewhere better after being here, you know, when the right opportunities came along, you know. And I have been offered some so-called awesome churches during my years here. But we came here and settled for life, a total commitment that had to override all my freshly emotions. And by the grace of God, I'm still here. It was the same when we got married nearly 39 years ago. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't deal with challenges, but you don't think of divorce. I will admit murder, possibly, but not divorce. So the Bible says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. In other words, be committed. If you make a commitment to a spiritual family, then put your time, put your talent, your treasure there. Not all over town where it makes you feel good. No, Jesus said, I'll never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'm just quoting the Bible. The Bible says a friend loves forever. Think about that. Proverbs 17, 17. Actually, a friend loves at all times. You know, I have some friends that have done some bad things and I still love them dearly. I don't love the bad things and they know that but I love them. And the truth is you need a friend on your worst day. You don't need one when everything is just great. Come on, do you? That's why we encourage life groups. We have online life groups just for you. You, know, you need a friend when you're in a painful situation. And I believe it makes us feel very secure when we say, I'm in this for the rest of my life. And so I'm here at the rock to stay. I'm here to build. I'm not going anywhere soon, and I need people committed the same way. So figure out who your people are, who you belong to, and start serving them to the end. Don't let the devil get you, you know, all offended so that you keep, you know, running off every which way. No, no, no. Don't let some company move you around for not much extra income in your life, you know where you leave a great church or your kids leave a great school and you have nothing where you're going. No, get involved in your job. Make them uh, understand that you are valuable. You know, make yourself so valuable so that they allow you to work from where you want to work. We need some Christians who say to their CEO, sir, madam, with all respect, 
I love my job and I truly appreciate my income and I fully respect you. But I need to tell you something about my family, about my church and this community that I'm in and what it means to me as much as I respect you. And I'm grateful for my income. This is not my whole life. This is my job and I love it. But this is not my calling. Are you with me? Servers know who their people are. Now, here's the third secret. John 13 verse 2. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Number three. They know that the enemy is always present. They know the enemy is always present. You know, it's not always just fun and games. You've got to understand something. We are in a war. Some people don't serve in any way because they just want to be blessed. You know, they takers, not givers. They are sitters and not servants. They don't understand that there is an enemy that is sworn to their personal destruction. 1 Peter 5 8 says this be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour or destroy. When Jesus started washing feet, he said, you know, I know there is a demon-possessed man in this room sworn to the destruction of this ministry group, but I'm not going to stop serving just because there's an enemy that is present. And every Christian needs to know that you weren't born into a nice little nursery, but into a battlefield between good and evil, between heaven and hell, between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. And it will continue until Jesus returns. You've got to understand, there is always an enemy present. When you discover your place, your destiny in the kingdom, and you decide to make a difference and become who God wants you to be, you become a threat. You know, when you decide, I'm going to, to have a mission, I'm going to have a purpose for my life, I'm going to make my life count so others may live, then all hell may break out. You've got to expect that, you know. Why? The enemy wants to hinder you. He wants to attack you. So you shouldn't be surprised. You shouldn't be surprised when you encounter problems or pushback. To be honest, I get angry. I really do. I get angry by it. But surprised? No, I don't. And if you were in an army as a trained soldier and you were sent to a war zone to go to war, when the enemy started shooting, would you be shocked? Would you be, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening in my life. Look around you at our world. You are in a war. And you know, we've been given weapons. We have the offensive weapons, which is the word of God. We have defensive weapons, the blood of Jesus. We've been given armor so we can defend and we can attack. You know, we haven't been left helpless. Our enemy has already been defeated. God says, I'll give you authority in my name to tread on serpents and scorpions and all the power of the enemy. It goes on in the Bible to say, resist the enemy and he will flee from you, from you. Meaning you have to fight. The Bible says, fight the good fight of faith. Satan is a murderer, a thief, a deceiver, a liar. No matter how good he tries to look, you've got to understand that. He doesn't want you making a difference, especially in the house of God. And doesn't care what it takes. You know, he's going to do everything he can to get you off track. He doesn't want you to flourish. So I expect to fight. 
every single day of my life for my natural family, for my church family, for lives, for finances, health, you know, for my children, for my children's children. I understand it's a battle. And when you get called up to do military service, you don't get to sign a waiver that says, the government promises that you will not be hurt. You will never, ever be inconvenienced and you will always have great meals. No, you have to go to church to get that. Listen, you are going to face battles and you might get hurt, maybe offended. That's always the quickest way for him to work. You've got to understand the bait of Satan is offense. But those that go the distance know their enemy. But, big but, they also know who they are and they fight back. Listen to me, Satan is not going away until, you know, God casts him into the lake of fire. At the moment, he knows, he knows that he knows his days are so short and he's like a drowning man thrashing around trying to grab anyone he can and take them with him. You know, there was a film called Behind Enemy Lines. An actor, Owen Wilson, is a fighter pilot assigned to an aircraft carrier and he and his radar operator... Uh, get shot down over Bosnia. They eject, and Wilson watches his friend get captured by the Serbs and executed. And he's terrified. He has a two-way radio, and as he's running, he's talking to the admiral that's on the aircraft carrier. And here's what the admiral says. He says to him, life's not fair. Deal with it. You've been shot down, but you're a combat fighter pilot. Start acting like one. Remember your training. Put some distance between you and your pursuers. Evade and survive. We will bring you home. Have you got that, 06? 06 was his call sign. And then he repeats, 06, we will bring you home. He's telling him to wake up and grasp the fact that he's in a war. And so, in your life, in your marriage, with your children, in your health, in your destiny, with your dreams, you will have moments like that. Don't fall apart. Don't panic. Don't become bitter and angry. You are trained for this. You have a family. With me? Secret number four of being a servant and making a difference is they are secure. They're secure. Show me an insecure person and I will show you someone who cannot or will not serve others. Jesus, the Son of God, was willing to get down on his knees with a towel and a basin of water and wash the feet of ignorant and uneducated fishermen. How could he do that humbling thing? Because he was secure. He didn't need the latest model car, you know, income level, certain level, no, no, or, or a personal private parking place with his title on it to be secure. No. You know, I love Billy Graham. In his life, he was awarded many doctorates and he wrote many awesome books he preached all over the world he was friends with many different presidents but he was always just billy just billy i mark i mark why i'm secure it's not about who i am because i know whose i am and i won't play the church political game not at all that's based on numbers and how big you can get my security is not in a number or the size of our church no I'm in Christ, and that's my identity and my self-worth. Will you be secure if you lose your job? Or can't move into the neighborhood that you want to move into? Or when your body begins to sag and gravity starts to take you know, place in your life, will you still have self-worth? Your net worth has nothing to do with your value to God. And once you know who you are in Him, 
you become very secure. The Bible says, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Because you are his elect. You are the apple of his eye. You are accepted in the beloved. And there are hundreds of scriptures like that. And that's what God says, I am. But I have to choose to believe it. Joel Austin says, you know, hold up your Bible and say, I am who this Bible says I am. I have what this Bible says I have. I can do what this Bible says I can do. Are you going to believe what God says about you? Insecure people have a language. If I only had, if only they had, and they did, if only be, you know, if I hadn't done, if they hadn't done, you are valuable and he's placed you here for a reason. So be secure in that. Decide today to make a difference in your world. Verse 3. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. He knew that he had come from God and that he was returning to God. So secret five, number five is they know their identity. If God made you, you are not a mistake. Whether you know your parents or not, or you were adopted, or you were raised by a single parent, no matter what, you didn't come from them, you came through them. Yes, you picked up necessary DNA on the way, but you are not a mistake. And God did not get your gender or your race wrong at all. Parents get to steward your life until God brings you into his family, into the new birth through a spirit of adoption. And they may not have been good stewards or parents, but you can't let that change your identity. You cannot get your identity from your life's experience of how or where you were raised. You need to get it from the Father who loves you and created you. You know, He finds you acceptable and has a great plan for your life. Sadly, some people use their background to maintain, you know, uh, 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 an aura about them that, that manipulates and creates tension. Remember, Jesus walked up to the man at the pool of Bethesda who had been there for 18 years. I mean, he had the handicap sticker. Wheels on wheels were coming to him regularly, you know. And Jesus walks up and says, do you want to be made well? Or do you enjoy the attention you get lying here? And I really believe that's a good question because not everybody wants to be well. Blind Bartimaeus was screaming on the roadside, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. What were the first words Jesus said to him? Good, I understand. He's blind and he's a beggar. And Jesus says, what do you want? And today Jesus is looking at you and he's saying, what do you want? What do you really want? And Bartimaeus said, Lord, that I might see. And Jesus prayed an awesome prayer. He said this fantastic prayer. See. Boom! A very short, powerful, believe for it prayer. So just as we have an earthly family, we've also been chosen and adopted into God's family. And so he, Jesus says, you know, you're not a waste. You're not a mistake. You're not in the wrong body. You're mine and you belong. You know, we, we together. So, so now get up and be who I created you to be. I give you your identity. You know, I'm the one that gives it. Not social culture that's going on. Not the world. You are who I created you to be. And servants know their identity. If you have all kinds of issues about who you are, listen to me. You won't ever serve. 
so servants know where they belong where they are going to and they know to whom they are ultimately accountable to jesus you know i'm not going to hear one day from god well done you've got a great car no i want to hear you know well done you good and faithful servant enter into the joy of the lord now verse 8 the evening meal was in progress the devil was already prompting judas to betray Jesus and Jesus says unless i wash you you have no part with me secret number 6 of being a servant and making a difference is number 6 they know serving creates covenant connections serving creates covenant connections john 13 verse 8 to 12 says no said peter you shall never wash my feet jesus answered unless i wash you you have no part with me jesus was saying I will have no part of you if you will not allow this input from me into your life. There would be no covenant exchange. Think of that. Peter didn't want Jesus to wash his feet because he didn't want to wash anybody else's feet. He wasn't exactly known for servanthood at that time. And some disciples were arguing about who amongst them would be the greatest and where they would sit in heaven. And Peter thought he was the one on the way up. They wrongly imagined that Jesus was going to set up an earthly throne and appoint them as the leaders. And Peter couldn't handle the fact that he soon to be king was down on his knees washing his feet. And so Peter said, "You're not going to do this to me. It's embarrassing me." Why, Peter? Because I'm not going to do it to anybody else. <sighs> okay, that's fine. If you don't allow the exchange, then we don't have a covenant. And Peter finally catches on and he says in verse nine, "Then Lord, some Peter replied, 'Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well.' I mean, he gets it. And, and, and Daniel and Peter, he just gives everybody hope. Verse ten, and here's the last one. Verse ten says, 'Jesus answered, 'Those who had a bath need only to wash their feet. Look at the word there. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you.'" The seventh secret is they know that serving completes a born again life. They know that serving completes a born again life. When the Bible was translated into English, the translators would sometimes add a word for clarity. When they did, they had to put it in italics so that the reader would know that it's been added. And sometimes it could significantly alter the meaning of the verse. Verse ten is a good example. that atelasas word there or in some translated his uh, means it wasn't in the original text so it should read those who have had a bath that is saved need only to wash feet meaning he who is saved needs only to wash feet in other words needs only to serve jesus didn't expect you to grab a bowl and wash your neighbor's feet he wasn't starting a religious holy ritual no He was talking about serving others. Peter, you already been born again, bathed, but you're not serving anybody, and that completes your life. Jesus said, "I did not come to be served; I came to serve and give." So my final question is: Are you sitting, or are you serving? Yep. Are you sitting, or are you serving? You see, if you're not serving each other. You've missed, I believe, the great joy and blessing of your life. When we are babies, we serve them. We serve them all the time. I mean, for everything. But as they grow up and mature, little by little, we add responsibility to their lives. And pretty soon, I'm not going to brush your teeth. 
I'm not going to pick up your toys. You are going to do it for yourself. And when you're a brand new baby in Christ, you get a lot of attention. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But at some point, you're supposed to mature and you're supposed to serve. Not your own agenda, but others. Not live a life where you have your whims, your feelings, you know, um, uh, all catered to. No. You want to be the one that is out there giving life, giving hope, you know, showing love and kindness to other people. And I believe with all my heart, nothing else can compare to the joy of when you help somebody else, particularly when they can't help you back. You need to make a decision to make a difference. You know, all the volunteers here at The Rock are incredible. We have an incredible dream team. And I want to say to you, you're really expressing gratitude for that first servant, the one who volunteered to leave heaven, leave the Father's presence and become sin, be rejected by the Father, die in our place, and then be resurrected, redeemed, and return to the Father. Now, we are all serving the ultimate servant, our Savior, Jesus. It's not a matter of what, but when are you going to do it? When are you going to make a decision? When are you going to make a difference in this world? When are you going to serve and really see that your life matters? This life is not just about a go to heaven ticket, no, but about making your life count. There is more to this life than this life. And if you're online regularly, you know, I want to challenge you. The chances are that God has put you in this family and you have gifts and abilities and a smile, hopefully. You know, maybe failures in your past which have given you some wisdom, hopefully, that could help others. So join our online life group. God has a plan and purpose for you here at The Rock. Believe it. You need to count this day, this day, today, and make a difference for eternity. Come, let's pray together. Right now, I want to give you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. This is a decision you can make. Decide right now. I'm going to change my life and make Jesus the Lord of my life. And if that is you, then I want you just to pray this simple prayer with me. It's so simple. It goes like this. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Listen to me. If you've just prayed that simple prayer, we believe you've been born again. I believe with all my heart, you'll never be the same again. And so, get into the Word of God, and until we meet again, share hope, show kindness, and shine Jesus.